calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Welcome back to EXPN, The Experience. I'm Warren Rustborough. I'm Warren Rustborough. Dirk, we've been over this before. I'm Warren Rustborough. You're Dirk Bradley. The red letters on the prompter are for you to You're Dirk Bradley. You're Dirk Bradley. Do not put that evil on me, Bradley. I don't know what game you're playing at, but now is not the time. Now is not the time. Are we seriously doing this right now? Are we seriously doing this? right now? I know you're excited you got to do live PA for The Forge, but you can't let this kind of tomfoolery ruin your already dubious track record. The Forge! Tomfoolery! Dirk, are you okay? You're sweating a lot more than usual. Are you okay? Okay? Okay. Something is wrong. You look unusually tan compared to your normal cottage cheese complexion. And somehow you've managed to eke out a hell of a five o'clock shadow since we started recording. My trouble senses are going wild. Something is wrong, 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 trouble. Hang tight, Dirk. Here, drink this, quickly now. Oh my gods, oh my gods. That was one of the worst experiences of my life. What the hell did I just drink? A curse removal. You work for enough foreign dignitaries, you learn to carry around some emergency potions. That level of annoyance was beyond even your impressive reach. Something was clearly amiss and dark magic seemed the obvious code. How did you manage to get cursed this time? I don't know. I just went and did my forge read offs into the big audience box. Then I made my way back here. Nothing else? Think hard, Dirk. Well, there were some teams backstage to watch the forge. I like to keep my social oils lubricated, so I went over to rub their elbows in it. Connect with the people, you know. And? Well, a few of them were smoking a Cool Kids cigarette looking like a Scritio poster. So I wanted to do osmosis some of their rad vibes, and I asked if I could have one, as a treat. Dirk, you don't smoke. I know, and I think they knew too. I torched up and drank down a big huff of whatever they tossed me, which tasted like skunk junk and trash water. They started giggling, so I started coughing. I got embarrassed and ran back here. Why do people smoke that stuff, Rust? Dirk, they didn't give you a cigarette. They tricked you. I knew I smelled something weird. I figured you'd just taken another alley nap, but now I'm sure of it. It's double ganja. Double ganja? Like twice the ganja? No wonder my zucchini was roasted. Well, that's the street name, anyway. It's a strain of Clonobus imitata. A magical and illegal herb that will turn you into a copy of whatever you're around. 
Oh, gods, that's why everything you said was all that I could say. That's why I wanted to put on some cello music and write a thesis to relax. I was becoming rusty. It also explains your change in complexion and sudden ability to grow facial hair. I imagine in a few more minutes we'd be looking at a whole new dirt. But you'll be fine now. Though the idea of having me to talk to you does make me dream of a perfect broadcast. Blah. I can feel the warrens in my head and taste a mixture of cursed weed and dirty potion water in my mouth. Daddy needs a fix. Where's my special dirt drink? Ah. <laughs> dirt? That's a tin of melted cake frost. Oh, that hits the spot. I'm coming back. I'll be good. Just give me a second. Well, while Dirk seeks solutions in the bottom of a frosting cup, let's get back to the exciting first leg of the Forge Challenge, as Team Gold Dragon steps onto the transport following a flashy entrance. Will this team of highly rated newcomers have what it takes to make it to hero rank, or does their success stop here? Let's find out now. Adventurers, uh, contestants, uh, what? I've, I've done too many of these. What am I supposed to call you these days? Anyway, it doesn't matter. I am Anas Proponus of Mitre. Get the jokes out now. I can hear you. A mighty butt. Thank you. Good enough. That You know, that's that's a first one. Oh, he can actually hear us. Of course I can. How can we hear him, though? Oh, right. His voice is in the walls. I'm meant to be sort of a, a announcer, I guess. That's what they're calling them now. Uh, Didn't they say they brought in a professional dungeon master? Uh, professional doesn't mean I'm not confused, but that's okay. Look, you're young. You're new to this. I've been doing this a very long time, and after a certain part, they just start running together. So uh, how about we get this moving, shall we? I would like nothing more. Yes. I like him. Has our time limit started? Of course it has. You step foot in here. Then let's get moving. Grit. Like that side from aged stone lights upon you. A coat of time from that which has grown comfortable resting its weary bones amongst the ancient titans. Sand and pebbles, not they found upon trodden roads but kin to those cast from the flanks of neglected sepulchres. But like a loyal hound, a constant companion of spurned construction, moss blankets the cracked tiles beneath your boots, in places lush and verdant, in others withered and desiccated. Its aroma clouds the air as weighty and dense as a deep wood. Yet among the wafts of the wald sits the bitter perfume of a once-loved bouquet left to dry and moulder, a nostalgic nosegay ignored to noxiousness. The chamber you enter upon crossing the all-too-eager skin of the arena is twenty and five feet both wide and long and ten and five feet high. The walls that face both north and west draw your eye to the ground round their midpoint. Sat upon the floor and obscured by growth sits large tiles, each 
with an abstract mosaic work that gives a dizzying sense of vertigo when gazed upon for too long. At the same point on the south wall stands a caryatid embraced by jealous vines. She cradles an alms plate in her outstretched hands and bears noticeable gaps along her arms at the shoulders, elbows and wrists. Finally, we come to the southeastern corner, playing host to a small, shallow pool of clear water, in the centre of which sits a tall, broad urn, large enough for a child to stand in and still have room for the lid to cover their head with handles upon each its sides. Its lid and top are decorated with all manner of woodland beast growing more withered and decayed as it reaches its base, on which you can see only bones. Distantly, the sound of stone ground against stone can be constantly heard, making the room you're in shudder gently. Well, this is wonderful. I was frightened for a moment, but this is the architecture of poetry with which we tread. A delight to my senses. I'm just worried if every room we go into has one of these expositions. (laughs) There is no way we are making this in four hours. I'm sorry, I thought you were uh, travelers, warriors, adventurers, not bloody scriptorium editors. Get on with it! Oh, right, by it, I mean the point you're here. You see that urn in the southwestern corner there? One that's about waist high to the average height of you. Yes, indeed. Ah, uh, you're supposed to take that from this room to the final room, which will be obvious when you get there. Uh, If only we had someone in the crew that was known for carrying heavy things in times of need. But wait, this is the final room. No, this is the first. Did I complete it? No, 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 it's the start. It was worth a try. Now that we have you all here and present, now that you know more or less what the stakes are, go ahead and put yourselves in some sort of organized list. Who's ready to take initiative? (laughs) Prompt received. (laughs) Oh my god. I cannot keep it in the dice tray today. Keep it in the box! (laughs) A comfortable... Well-fitted seven for Iavos. Ah, like like warm jeans. <laughs> what? Says Penny with a six. <laughs> Hal has 20. I think I will start it off, though, with a 23. Ooh, this rogue. Penny, the architecture of this place, the marble, the greenery, it calls to you. You remember it. Not faintly, like so many things that lately come to mind. Instead, these are the affectations of your home. Wait, I... I know this place. Wonderful, this should be quite easy then. These... these walls, this... this room, it's... it's... it's Ev Damon. Is it now? I... I think so. Well, then I hope your history there is a valuable tool in us navigating it then. That seems quite favorable for us. Penny begins to run her fingertips along the walls, seeing how familiar everything feels to her touch. I'm afraid I know very, very little about their history, but I'll tell you if I think of anything. Does the inn need to get to the last room in one piece? Oh, aye, quite. Uh, And if you open it, you're disqualified. Don't open the urn. 
glad he told us that. Well, all of this beautiful scenery and beautiful words have lit a fire in my heart. What say uh, we don't forget that this is in fact a dungeon, and before we get too fingery with any of the vine work, perhaps uh, our talented Gaspar could search for any kind of mechanal traps. Gaspar is going to notice the gaps in the mosaics, the vines. So Gaspar is going to prioritize looking for traps so that Iavos and the rest of the team can search the room more thoroughly, perhaps for a secret door, as is somewhat hinted in the first line of the poem. Test your investigatorial skills. That is a 19. Whereupon looking at the fine stonework and damn fine, might I add, and the laced and interlocked woven moss and vines upon the ground, your eye continues to be brought back to the arms of the caryatid. Gaps upon its wrists, elbows, and shoulders, to you suggests the arms can be moved. I would not worry about traps in this room, but that caryatid is definitely the key. Hal? All right. Well, if there's not any trips, Hal walks over and hups the urn up. Putting your hands upon the urn is a bit too heavy to pull it up entirely. Uh, Not carried like a child, but dragged behind you. While carrying this urn, your speed is reduced in half, and you have disadvantage on dexterity saving throws. Yeah, uh, this urn's a bit heavier than I thought it was going to be. Do you think we could just leave it here and then come back and get it when we need it later? I would not trust that. I think if we're going to complete this dungeon, we're going to have to earn it. I think I just took a point of damage from that. <laughs> I didn't know you knew Vicious Mockery. We are on camera. I'm trying to be charming. <laughs> <laughs> you want to take that urn somewhere? Or you're just going to leave it here. Where are we going, everyone? That is what we're here to find. Right. Well, in this room, it looks like we could go either uh, up or that way. And I kind of gesture. Uh, north or west. Yeah, those two. Yep, that's the one. Hell. Perhaps you can put the urn down while we check the mosaic. I slowly lower the urn to the ground. So you don't tire yourself out. <laughs> it's not possible. <laughs> That's Hal's turn. <laughs> uh, Iavos is going to go to this lovely feminine statue, and I'm going to investigate the holding... You said it was holding like a collection tray, sort of? An alms plate. Aye. And... I'm going to see if it looks like there's some kind of a magical or perhaps mechanical trigger to make the arms point or if it's like weight triggered or perhaps something needs to go in this bowl. I'm going to uh, guidance myself. (laughs) I would have guidance Gaspar, but we were in initiative order. What would you like from me? Arcana, perhaps, or? I would say you could test your arcane knowledge or your investigatorial skill. Magic it is. Oh, goody, goody. (laughs) You know, it's good when you roll higher on the D4 than on the D20. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that kind of goody-goody. Well, to be fair, it is a total of 11. Though the exact mechanics of it still remain a mystery to you, you can tell that this statue in some way is linked to the two vertigo-inducing tiles on the northern and western side of the wall. I will pass this information to my team. Even though they heard the magic voice say it. <laughs> <laughs> it was meant for you, not them. 
Penny is going to approach the figure where Iavos is, and she's going to try to place a bag full of pebbles in the alms plate. The arms shift very slightly, but do not change their position. Hmm. It's either not the right thing or it needs to be heavier. Heavy? I've got a heavy thing over here. Hey, maybe we should be very careful with the urn. Fear enough. Yes. How about I help him put that urn on there? Uh, hey, it's your turn. <laughs> just put it on the thing. Just catapults it into the ceiling where it shatters. And you lose. <laughs> I'm going to use the help action to help Hal carefully, safely, securely put this urn on that alms plate. That is what I do on my turn. With hands laid upon either handle, the urn is surprisingly easier to carry. As you lift it, you place it upon the alms plate of the statue, and you hear that the arms lower slightly and click, like they can be moved. It does not seem to change anything throughout the room, though, as the arms are pointed more downward than they were earlier. Perhaps if we find a way to point the arms towards the walls, it will give us some kind of clue. The poem does indicate that the arms point to the opening that we should take. So, Iovis is going to move to where Gaspar and Hal are putting the urn into the collections plate and see if I can help by making the arms point towards the western tile. Iovis, with your frail form, it takes quite a bit of work, but you are able to shift the arms slowly until they are pointed at the western tile. At which time the image upon it seems to deepen considerably. I will investigate if I have any time left. I want to see the image and study it. Aye. It appears to be a spiraling blue pattern of abstract, interlocked tiles that sink further than the floor should allow. If I touch it, what do I feel? When you touch it, you vanish. Oh, bye. (laughs) (laughs) And reappear in a very similar room. But this time, there are three tiles and one statue. It's like, oh, this is very curious. (laughs) (laughs) I avos. Wait, where did he go? Penny races over to where I avos was. Do you touch the tile? I do. All right. Uh, When you trod upon the tile, you are brought into the next room. Looking much like the room you were just in, but with three tiles instead of two. And no urn. Iavos, you're back. Where where did everyone else go? Uh, Iavos looks up from the tile he was studying meticulously, realizing he's in a different room. Now. <laughs> oh, oh, ah, yes, transportation magic. Hopefully uh, Gaspar and Hal follow suit or we'll be quite split up. Uh, y- yes, I've... You disappeared, and then I I tried to run after you. Oh, that's very kind of you. A little haphazard, but I suppose me touching something magical was as well. Hal, if we point the arms to the other tile, it should take us to a different room. If we split the party, we can cover more of the dungeon. Yep, but uh, we're trying to make hero friend, and splitting the party is a rookie mistake. I was testing you. Good. Let's follow. (laughs) (laughs) We do so. Are you going to be uh, keeping your hand on the urn? I will help carry the urn for now. Fantastic. Yes, I think on my turn, we both move together with the urn to the tile. Your boy's got handles. Now that Hal is in the new room, is the tile in here active on this side, or is it 
No. Okay. It is not active on this side, sitting dormant and waiting. This room, however, shudders and grumbles slightly louder than the room you were in previous. It seems promising. Well, we've got arms of the statue. Uh, I don't actually know if putting the urn in there was useful to us. Uh, perhaps we should try to manipulate them without the additional weight. It does not seem necessary. You're correct. Where to then? Are these tiles identical? All three of the tiles appear the same. Is the room identical except for the third tile in here? And small differences in the shrubbery, but you have a feeling that's not important. Okay. Then I suppose all we have to do is choose a direction and then manipulate the statue to guide us there. I do have an idea. Wonderful. May I make a perception check to see what direction the rumbling noise is originating from? You may. Does it help if I have a... Giant bat head that uses echolocation. It does. I'll give you advantage. A guidance. Thank you. That is a 15. The grinding, rumbling noise seems to be loudest and most intense to the north. My north. (laughs) Possessive north. (laughs) Mine, you can't have it. (laughs) The queen's north. Okay. (laughs) Would we like to head towards the noise? Or away from it? I vote towards it. I think that's the bold choice. Yes, if this is a, some kind of machination, then perhaps being close to the center, the engine of some kind. It seems promising. Shall we uh, point the arms northward then? The Queen's North, as it were? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just a little bit worried about uh, how the grinding will interact with the grindable pot. Everybody knows what happens when you put pot in a grinder, of course. You have a good time. (laughs) (laughs) Iavos is reading over his scrawled down poem real quickly. He says, On second thought, Penny, my dearest Penny, let us avoid the grinding room. We seem to have forgotten that the fifth verse indicates to fear the grinding rooms specifically. Wait, you mean that poem was supposed to give us clues about what we're supposed to do in here? You needn't worry of such things, Hal. Oh, good, because I wasn't. Gaspar, why don't I help Hal carry the urn? You might be better suited to checking for traps, certainly better than I am. To be perfectly fair, I think I only need to carry the urn when we're moving it, otherwise it's probably okay to just leave it in the floor where it lends. I would vote West using the poem as guidance if we've done that thus far. I like West. Me too. It's my third favorite direction. West it is. (laughs) We will push the arms to the West. Like before, the image deepens on the western tile. Altogether this time? That seems smart, yes. Unified toe touch. If that's possible. With urn in check. <laughs> when you enter this room, there are two things that grab your attention. First and foremost, the abundant foliage in the middle. Held by old wooden trellises, there is a length of overgrown grapevine, heavy with fruit, swollen and purple. On the other side of the vines, however, sits a beast, tall enough near to scrape its head upon the wall, face obscured by overgrown foliage and vines that grip at it, showing one swollen red eye in the center. As thorns and briars weave over its arm, the thing snarls old and ground teeth at you. Penny. 
You can hear the large, heavy feet echoing across the woods. You remember being told of them, the Briar Wardens, the things that keep you out of the dark, dark wood. We're going to start at the top with Gaspar's initiative order, since you guys went in as a nice, friendly little huddle. Gaspar, when this thing appears... Penny, you remember being told to keep out of the wood. Hard to know where the woods begin in a world so lush and verdant as Evdemonia. And yet you all knew where the borders began. For there, standing in the deep, dark wield, were the Briar Wardens. Cyclopean monsters, meant to keep you far away from things that you could not begin to imagine. Let's go backstage at the Forge Challenge for a live interview with our own Paige Theta Row. Thank you, Warren. I'm here in an executive viewing booth spectating the Forge Challenge with one of this season's guest dungeon masters, Malik Tech Pharaoh of the Grasping Sands. Tell me, sir, what is your professional opinion on what we've seen so far from Undeadless's newest dungeon design? I like his use of living plant life to create a stable ecosystem within the dungeon. And the use of square rooms, while a bit simple does make for an interesting grid format. But if you ask me, dungeons are no place for poetry. Save it for the coffee shops and street corners. An interesting take. You yourself have been designing dungeons for a very long time, and are known to be quite fond of, shall we say, a uniform design template. What are you implying? I imply nothing, good sir, as a fan of your work. But to ignore the fact that all your designs have several things in common seems an error of the analytical eye. For example, why don't you tell me about your newest designs? I'm glad you asked. My newest design features a large stone structure composed of sandstone bricks. It has a large quadrilateral base with triangular walls that converge at the top in a beautiful pyramidian apex. The structure is incredibly sturdy as weight is distributed to the bottom and lessens as the structure continues upward. The interior is a deadly labyrinth of traps and monsters. So, it's a pyramid? Well, if you want to oversimplify... I have some schematics here from some of your past dungeons, and if my eyes don't deceive me... I can't help but notice that they all seem to be pyramids. I will not apologize for being a fan of durable architecture, but you'll never guess what kind of horrible evil waits inside for those who make it to the center. If I had to take a shot in the dark, I'd have to guess... Mummy? Anyway, one aspect of my dungeons you're failing to take into account is that their designs are all interlocking. If you were to take all of my past submissions and join them together, you'd form one of the largest super dungeons ever constructed. Behold these schematics. Oh, now this is very fascinating. These designs are very advanced. I can't help but notice that the finished structure is yet another pyramid. Be true to thyself. Well, me and Malik Tech are going to talk dungeons and browse lovingly over his series of pyramid schemes. Let's bring it back to you, Warren. It's a lot. So how many mummies are on your payroll? 
Thank you, Paige. We'll be right back with more of Team Gold Dragon making their way into the unknown dangers of this fey-crafted dungeon. But first, a word from our sponsor. We're about to witness a planar phenomenon, a keyhole between worlds that only marketing can penetrate. Join me as we glimpse into the adverse. I want to take a second to tell you about a podcast I think you'll really like, Mayday. No one is prepared for disaster. No one knows exactly how they'll react in a plane crash, an earthquake, or when a lone gunman decides to open fire. On Mayday, you'll hear about the people who had to find out, people whose stories deserve to be heard. Join hosts Maya Nalani and Luke Welland as they tell you about extraordinary people who found themselves in extraordinary circumstances. Listen to Mayday wherever you get your podcasts. Greetings and salutations, fellow humans. My name's Professor Husband, and I'm here to talk to you about manly things like hygiene, confidence, and fast-moving blades. No need to beat around the bush, there's a good chance you have a crotch carpet that could block out the sun if you stood on a tall peak. Well, as keen as it is to keep your pubis insulated during the cold winter seasons, we live in the modern age of pants and sweaters. You wouldn't hide a painting behind a coiled fishnet of fragrant fibers. You'd cut those puppies down and let the museum goers get a gander at your landscape. No need to chew your nerve jerky about the how-to-do-its. All you have to do is go to the World Wide website known around these parts as manscaped.com. Marvel at the cutting-edge technology paraded before you, the great prices offered, and the wide array of beautifully crafted personal care products. Need to share your undergrowth? The Lawnmower 4.0 has ceramic cutters that offer a smooth, safe, hair-obliterating shave using skin-safe technology. It's water-protected and has a built-in light-emitting diode for a perfect nether navigation, and these ball-buffing blades blast a robust 9,000 RPMs. No snags and nicks in this pelvic pub. Beat it, you loathly lacerations, and don't let me catch you around here again. Got yourself an Easter basket nose full to the brim with hay bales of sniff-diminishing thatch? Why, a few good in-and-outs of the weed whacker with a 360-degree rotary blade to keep your snars free and clear will help you stop and smell the roses. You want to smell dandy swell like a rose yourself? Manscaped crop-preserving downstairs deodorant will greet anyone who comes to the ball with a welcoming, fresh-smelling how-do-you-dangly-do. The Performance Package 4.0 comes with all this fantabulous catalog of personal perfectionators, and so much more, like Manscaped boxers and a travel bag. Don't let all this manly must-have mouth-muttering turn you away. Manscaped is great for all bodies with hair. Great for trimming beards, brows, bangs, bellies, pits, pelvises, and other personal placements. Why, if all this wonderful did you know dialogue didn't fishhook your maybe-I-shoulds, let me throw a Bordeaux cherry on this salesman Sunday. Use code LUQ for 20% off your purchase. The whole thing. I know what you're thinking. Professor Husband, you've blown your whole dang cuckoo clock brain right off the rails. You no good pitch jockey? Well, I guarantee you I'm swaggling no horn. My jib and jive is on the up and up like a one-way elevator to the saving suite. I'm so confident I'll even throw in free shipping with the very same code. That's code LUQ. Write it down. Remember it. You miss out on this bargain and you'll be up to your neck in applesauce. Why, it's just so easy. Go to manscaped.com to become the sack skin sock dollager of your dreams. Keep your front and fanny fresh as a flutterbum. Ease your zoros and take pride in your jollocks. Get Manscaped today. Hey, all you cuties. Law here with a big sack full of mid-roll for all the good little ear holes out there. A huge thank you to our guest DM for this chapter, Max Hobbs. We all love Max, and if you don't understand why by the end of this chapter, you may never. If you want LUQ to keep growing and making more content for a long time to come, word of mouth is huge. Downloading new episodes as they come out is a great help, as well as leaving reviews and engaging on social media. 
You can get links to all of our social media at theluq.com, as well as access to the merch store, the player pages with info about the cast, the often mentioned and praised Discord, and of course the Patreon. A big thank you to our most recent $25 and up patrons, Enner, Daryl, a.k.a. Ryuk, and Arabana Sun. At the highest tiers, you can make a character to become part of the Battle Axis and hear their stories in the show's meta. Or you can have your name mentioned during the mid-roll by becoming one of our legendary patrons and get on one of our legendary teams. Our current teams are the Titans Rise, the Twilight Concord, the Ceaseless Horde, and the Forgotten Legacy, with Wagon, Cody, John Reinhardt, and Daryl. If you want to contact us to advertise with the show or get out a personal message, admin at slapdashstudios.com is the email. If you have stuff and you want to send it to us, except for homemade food, that is, the P.O. Box is 230091 Tigard, Oregon, 97281. If you're in the Portland area on the weekend of September 10th through the 12th, the LUQ has a live game panel on Sunday at 1145 at Rose City Comic Con. It's next weekend, so this will be the last time you hear this information in the mid-roll. Visit rosecitycomiccon.com for more info. And if you'll be attending from out of town, please let us know. If we get enough people, maybe we can schedule some kind of extracurricular hangout. Follow us at twitch.tv forward slash slapdash streams to watch me and Zach play games during the week, including our cooperative Pokemon Soul Link Nuzlocke on Wednesdays, and new episodes premiere of the LUQ on Monday night, currently hosted by the fabulous Dungeon Mistress Dana. We love you all, and we can't wait to keep growing and questing together. But enough out of me, let's get you back to the Battle Axis. It's been four days since we came to Pi Gamma 9. Nobody told us this world was like this. I could have prepared. I've seen through the eyes of the beast. I know the tongue of the animal and understand their pain. I swore never to eat the flesh of another living creature. All those years ago, when I bound myself to the druidic circles. But this place, everything, the grass, the trees, the water, it's all flesh, living meat, bleeding. Breathing, thinking. My team feasts on roasts and stew. They sleep with full bellies and happy dreams. But I feel myself fading. I resent them so much. The madness is setting in. I can't last another day. I'd do anything for some fresh vegetables. Some cabbage. Some broccoli. Anything. Anything? Who are you? Shh. Don't wake the others. You hunger so much. Let us make a deal. I am listening. If you kill your friends, we'll give you broccoli. Ho, 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 green devil. Team Goldragon stands before the Briar Warden. It tickles at a distant memory for Penny, one that's coming all the more closer with every passing moment. Gaspar, it's all you. Does anybody know what the hell that thing is? It's it's a warden, a, a, a Briar Warden. They, they they guard the deep woods, the the, the wield, uh, the border of the lands we are not to go to. There, I've never seen one. I've heard them before, but they're terrifying. Well, we have to get past it, so I will distract it. Uh, Penny, do you mean to tell us that this uh, Briar Guardian thing uh, on the other side of this big fuck-off shrub 
is uh, supposed to indicate we're not supposed to go this way? Perhaps it's it's hard to know, especially in in something designed like this. But I I don't know even on Eftemonia what it is that they guard. And while that's happening, Gaspar is going to take the dodge action. He's then going to go through all that foliage towards the warden. As Gaspar dives in and out of the foliage, he's going to then jump out of reach of this warden, try and get it to take an attack of opportunity. As you dance carefully in and out of the brush, trying to get the thing's attention, its single eye fixates on you. Stepping back from the loud grapevines, it rears its shoulders back and snaps the briars forward with its deep and resonant cry. The briars snap forward. Does a 19 total hit your armor class? Even with disadvantage? Even with disadvantage. The other one was a 20. uh, Hey, that works. (laughs) You are going to be taking 16 slashing damage and you are grappled. It would pull you closer, but you're already close enough and restrained as the briars are wrapped around you, each finding purchase in your flesh and digging in hard with natural hooks. I tried to distract it. I've been caught. (laughs) I didn't do a good job. (laughs) Hal? Hal? Will, I'd say that's a rip on that plane. Hal looks at Iavos. Save him. Move the statue. You're the brains of this operation. Blind the creature. Got it. I pick up a grape and throw it at its Yes. <laughs> oh, sorry. The grape, surprisingly heavy in your hand, feels like a nice solid thing that can be thrown into an eye, but even better were it loaded into a sling. Hal does a wind-up and baseball pitch. I'm an athlete to the core. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Are you uh, uh, proficient with improvised weapons? Um, No. All right, then, boy, howdy, give me a uh, just a straight-up strength attack roll. All right. Oh, wait, I want to use the die Penny gave me. We're in Penny's, like, pseudo-home plane. Hit! 21. Damn. I rolled a 19. This beast is large, unarmored, and cumbersome in its movements, as you peg the bastard right in the peeper. Give me 1d4 plus your strength modifier damage. All this right. is a hefty grape. It is a hefty grape. <laughs> this, it's a magic missile grape. It's a grape of wrath. Yeah. <laughs> oh, goody. I like that that happened. <laughs> <laughs> I got to give you credit for that one. Three points of damage. Fantastic. As you chuck the grape right up toward it, rears back, releasing one of its briar-woven arms from its grapple on Gaspard and begins to claw at its face and howl more. (laughs) It will be blinded until the start of your next turn. I grab the urn and move up right to the briar, um, ready to go whichever direction I need to go once we decide where we're going with it. Fantastic. That will bring it to the briar warden's turn. Uh oh. Since you all are within reach of this blind and angry creature, it will lash wildly. Will each of you roll a 20 sided die? Whoever rolls lowest will be attacked. Does the urn need to roll? No. Okay, good. What do we got? What a dumb thing to waste a 20 on. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You're, you're extra a, safe. You're a wizard. 
While I am conflicted, I also rolled a 20. Ooh. <laughs> Two. Oh, I rolled a four. I was really hoping this was going at me. With disadvantage and blind, that is an 18 versus your AC. Uh, that hits. I have a 17. Ooh. As the briar reaches toward you, there is an all-too-familiar sting as it wraps about your arms and shoulders and sinks in. You'll be taking 16 slashing damage. You are grappled, restrained, and it will pull you adjacent to it. It wasn't you. You didn't get caught. But one of you did. And she's not with you anymore. From the moment the creature bellowed its cry, Penny Farthing stopped and was unable to continue moving around the room like she was supposed to do. She just held on to herself and shivered. Oh! Oh! Keep it together, Penny. Don't you go fainting on me. That will bring it to Aovos. Very good. Gaspar indicated that perhaps checking in the grape bushes would be beneficial. So Aovos will move up to begin looking and say to himself, It's all right, everyone. I am trained in mastery of divine. And I feel like I'm going to think back to the times with my sister in her garden and let the plant speak to me. I'm going to do a nature check to try to find the clues the tree wants to show me, not that I'm looking for. Perfect. Uh, that is a 16. Petrilia is a grape from Abel that grows from vines birthed from stones soaked in wine. When consumed, they reduce your base movement speed by 10 feet, quadruple your weight, and make you immune to all forced movement for one minute. If another is consumed while the first is active, your speed is reduced by another 10 feet and your weight quadruples again. This effect stacks for each grape consumed. If your speed reaches zero this way, you must make a DC 18 constitution save. If you fail, you are petrified for one minute. All right. Does that count as my action or my movement to investigate? Uh, I'll use your bonus. Cool. I've heard of these. They're called Petrilia grapes. Oh, they use that for gravity wine. Very well, then. Using my action? Okay, please bear with me. This creature is blinded and roaring and trying to eat our dear Penny. I'm going to use one of my new spells I haven't used yet, and timing it to when he's roaring, his mouth most agape, I would like to catapult a bushel of grapes into his gob. (laughs) (laughs) Wait a minute. How many like, pounds are each of these things? Like a whole fucking bunch. You yes, know? <laughs> a 12 pack. Or 10 oh, pounds aye. worth of f- fat grapes. Oh, aye. <laughs> All right. I believe with this thing's gob open wide, I need to make a dexterity saving throw. With disadvantage because he's blinded. Correct. Mm. Oh, time for a big dice. And because Penny and I have occupied his arms. Mm. Yes. Does an 11 total beat your spell save, DC? My DC is 13. Thinking quickly and being crafty, you grab a whole sleeve of these grapes. As you take them up in your hand, you focus on them with your magic right. As the thing opens its mouth to let out another wail, you expel the grapes toward it. It goes straight down the throat. The thing has to make a constitution save. Yes. Does it also take just grape catapult damage? Oh, of course it will. <laughs> to the uv. Ah, you crown the bastard in the uvula. Uh, 15 force damage. Aw, oh, beans. 
No disadvantage on con checks for being blind. (laughs) (laughs) It gets a 24 on its constitution saving throw, which will pass. However, it's still consumed lots of those grapes and its movement speed has become zero. This thing's not going to be able to chase you. I did something. Hopefully helpful. (laughs) That will bring it to Penny's turn. As Penny is first grappled by the vines, she continues to shake and doesn't react. She just she's frozen in space. But then she she starts to come to her senses, looking around wildly, and she's going to try to ungrapple herself. All right. Will you give me an athletics or acrobatics check? Acrobatics it is. Hi. Nine. <laughs> her bonus is higher than my roll. Oh. Kinfolk, today is not your day. As you try to escape, you manage only to tangle yourself more. She's grappled. <laughs> They're coming back now. The dreams. It is the gift of the singular to dream in the astral plane, to wander their minds in the infinite reaches. But for you, you dream only in your other lives. But what do you dream of when all fragments of yourself are one? You dream of those left behind, the ones that still call out your name to be free. You mirror her, crying your name in the dark. Penelope! As Penny cries out her own name, Gaspar receives bardic inspiration. There's something in her voice, something you know, something bone deep from Abel. Gaspar, that brings it to you. Inspired, but also somewhat... Triggered by an instinct, Gaspar is going to grab on to the vine and then lift off his weight and kick off of Penny's shield in an attempt to twist himself out of this grapple. When you twist to break away, it helps that the thing's mighty arm does not have a hold of you. You will have advantage on this check. All right. Seemed fairly acrobatic. I'm going to use that bardic inspiration. That is a 17. With a 17, you are barely able to snap out of the vines. With a pull and twist, you are no longer held by the sharp thorns of this grasping creature. I will then turn to Penny. Don't worry, I will come back for you. Bonus action, disengage. Head on over to the statue and turn it westward. Grabbing the arms and putting all of your effort into it turns out it's heavy to move for just about anyone. Forcing the arms to the west, there is a click as the tile there appears deeper than it used to. Hal? Hal is going to double move. So dragging this urn through these vines. Hal is pretty sure he's the only one in the party who's going to be strong enough to do this. And knowing that that thing is going to start attacking again soon, I go ahead and grab the urn and double move up to the tile and set the urn on the tile while keeping myself on this side. Like fighting through an untamed jungle, you take the heavy urn and press through the vines. Breaking through their greedy hold, you are able to take the urn and put it upon the tile. The errand does not go anywhere. Balls. This angers me. As a bonus action, I rage. (laughs) (laughs) 
I hate it when pottery does things I don't expect. <laughs> uh, that's going to be my turn because that was my bonus action or my action and bonus action. Fantastic. The Briar Warden clears the grape from its eyes. It looks and sees who it currently has held and grins. Lifting Penny up toward its shoulder, it doesn't go anywhere because its movement speed is fucking zero. Hooray! <laughs> and its weight has like... <laughs> it's, it's a heavy boy. Yeah. Picking Penny up onto its shoulder, it sees where you are headed. Hal, it watches that you're moving toward the tile on the ground, and it pulls from its body with a free hand one of its larger thorns. Collecting it up in its fist, it tosses it at you. However, it is not a master shot, unlike you with a grape, apparently. (laughs) Hal's pretty good with balls. That's a whopping 11 versus your AC. 11 does, in fact, miss Hal. You are able to sidestep the thorn, and as it hits the ground adjacent to you, it erupts into a net of grasping vines that grab a hold of exactly nothing. Its turn is over. Iovos. Iovos is going to move forward as much as his old bones will muster to double, like, not double move, but I use a half speed through the terrain to get next to the tile. I was already kind of neck deep in that there vine anyway. And as I interact with object, as I move, I pocket a handful of those grapes. Fantastic. I get adjacent to the urn and the tile and look up to poor Penny, who is now bound and being choked by this massive, nasty tree boy. Um, And I'm going to attempt to liberate her or at least help her in her pursuits of that. Calling upon the mysticism that I picked up while traversing the labyrinth. Uh, I think back to the pages. They're bound warrior spirits, weaponizing literature. And I tear a single page out of the back of my spell book and I give it a little kiss. And as I throw it into the air, it unfolds into basically like a swarm of origami birds that lash out. And I cast flyleaf in the direction of this creature's face, trying to like cut as many vines as I can. I don't know this spell. It's a new spell created by Dungeon Master Zach, Dungeon Boy. Hi. Mm -hmm. Flavor wise, it's very similar to Burning Hands, but it's all slashing damage from paper cuts. Got ya. Uh, So I need this creature to make me a dexterity saving throw. Pretty please. And it can't move, so... Hooray. It's all heavy on wine. Aye. Uh, It gets a 10 total. That's not enough. Uh, And I want to point out that I'm trying as hard as I can to not slash Penny to pieces. (laughs) I'm aiming for the area that's holding her, you know, like the vines, if possible. That's possible. Uh, Over your allies' heads toward the vines. Correct. Yeah, just lacerating as many leaves and bramble as I can. And this is going to deal a 6d4 slashing damage. And historically, Iavos and D4s get along well. Let's see if that carries true. true. Uh, Four, four, two. (laughs) So 10 off the first roll. That's 15 slashing damage from Flyleaf. Jesus. It's so sick. As (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) As these tiny shreds of origami birds slash forward, they cut through the vines as Penny falls hard to the stone tiles below, no longer grappled nor restrained by the beast. And uh, ending my turn, I shout out, please, friends, to the tile now! And then I just dip my toe onto the corner of it next to the urn. Peace! (laughs) (laughs) Penny! As Penny hits the floor with a thud, She, with her sword and shield in tow, scrambles towards the tile. 
until she can touch it with her hand. With great effort and uh, beleaguered strides through the thick vines and your own allies, you are finally able to make contact with the tile and free yourself from this thing's grasp. Gaspar. Gaspar is going to go through the foliage once more and grab the handle of the urn. Fantastic. Reaching out, grabbing, waiting for your ally to uh, step upon it. Correct. Hal. Hal is going to look at this thing roaring in pain after its little origami cuts, and I'm going to take my bone halberd that we picked up in Roke 43, and I'm going to drive it into this thing's eye. This for attacking my friends. Let's see it. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to. Let's I'm, see it. Go for it. Are I'm, you doing this recklessly? I am, yeah. I was about to say, I'm going to reckless attack. A-B-R-A. Always be reckless attacking. Yeah. Abra? Yeah, it's Abra. a magic. It's barbarian magic. Uh, that Alec is... a fucking zam. <laughs> 20 total. 20 total will hit the beast. All right. It's going to take... Uh, it's going to take the least damage that I can roll with this attack, <laughs> which is a total of... Seven points of slashing damage to its eye. Well, to its face. Drawing your you say halberd? Uh bone yes. halberd. Yeah, it's bone. a halberd made of bone. Drawing your boner blade back, you are able to launch the spear forward and clip it just at the edge of the eye. You didn't get right through the you know center bit where vision is held best, but it was damage and pain enough for the thing to close its eye hard. It will need some amount of time before it can see again. Cool. I then grab the handle of the jar and put my foot on the tile. As the last two of you are taken from this room and appear in the next, no longer harried by the Briar Warden. watching EXPN, we're watching the Forge Challenge, and I'm Dirk Bradley. And I'm Warren Rustborough. And I'm freaking out, Rusty. I'm freaking all the way out. Dirk, calm down. The team's up against some challenging dungeon mechanics, but we're just getting started. We have no idea what real threats herein shall be. Who gives a flying flapjack about TGD? I'm worried about my job here. This is the only reason I have to put on socks in the morning. Oh. Wait, you're worried about your job? What if the execs find out I got literally duped into sucking down illegal lawn clippings? What if they make me pee into a cup? I have a shy bladder rust. I don't think he can handle the pressure. Well, Dirk, if it's any consolation, I find it highly unlikely that after your stunning resume of questionable professionalism, that this would be the final straw to break this media camel's back. Ah, shucks. You're right, Rust. The bigwigs love me. The audience loves me. And I have an ironclad soapbox of fame to hold me out of the reach of pink slips and write-em-ups. The things you just said are different from the things I just said. And speaking of write-ups, can you believe this anus guy? He likes to talk even more than you do. I've never heard such a long-winded anus. The fact that you make these things happen without intending to is truly a cosmic wonder, Dirk. That said, I do appreciate his panache for poetic descriptions. Rusty loves the big word mouth man. Big shocker there. Why don't your brains just get married? You can have a big wedding of smart people throwing tiny sheets of algebra as you walk past, and a cape made of research notes. Maybe a classical pianist with a few strings playing boring concerto after concerto. Maybe an open bar, but with mostly dry wines to go with the red meat options and braised cabbage. Maybe a nice barn in the country. While Dirk gets lost planning the hypothetical future wedding for my brain, 
Let's steel ourselves for whatever lies next inside this dangerous, Annis-powered dungeon of dimensional doorways. Stay tuned. That's a cool fucking enemy. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad you like it. That's I had a lot very of fun, fun. Making them. That was a very rude awakening for for me. <laughs> Is this outro now? Yeah. Is that where we're at? Okay. Think, yeah. yeah. All right. That thing I, get fucking hard. Yeah, yeah, it did. Oh yeah. Yeah. I am devastated to realize that we did not do play of the game or MVP last fucking session. That's oh true. no, we done fucked it up. That's the worst. I was thinking too much about a D4 versus a D6 to find out who was going to be the next one. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I just went for it. I, yeah. took, yeah. I, t- I took the initiative. You did? <laughs> so let's do a play of the game and and MVP for this one. Yeah. I think MVP's got to be huge anus. <laughs> <laughs> he's doing a wonderful job. I mean, he's Thank a great you. character and Thank his you. his descriptions are, it's so it's such a lovely way to hear a dungeon description. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's like um, it's almost like playing a, a video game that they've got narration in. Like it feels very super giant. Yeah, it's yeah. also yeah, yeah it's definitely. Yeah. It's also disjarring for it to be like a character delivering specifically the non-character parts yeah, of is, a dungeon it is module. A strange, but yeah. I love it. It's 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 uh, off book. And it's when Max good. and I were I'm first glad. workshopping this, I was like, it might be ideal if you role play your DM. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to say no to that. That's fucking awesome. I love it. Uh, so, yeah, I think Hugh, Hugh Janus is my Hugh vote. Hugh Janus. Mighty. For Janus. <laughs> creates a mighty wind. <laughs> what about play of the game? The slash. Where did this episode the, start? The grape was pretty good. I got to say, fucking, <laughs> the, the, fucking the strikeout grape was pretty great. Oh, yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. I think just weaponizing grapes this fight is a yeah. good play of the game. You know, when I when I put them the in this catapult. dungeon, I did not expect any of anybody to use them aggressively, and I fucking love that that's the first place you went. That's funny. So good. I would ask, how did you expect us to use them? Because this is Dungeons and Dragons and everything is a weapon. You're not wrong. But if you if if you told us it might spoil something later, and let's not oh, let's no, not it, spoil like, the wine. Movement. Hal so has been throwing dungeon <laughs> decorations for years. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, this is this is now the second time. Uh, the the first one was a was a buzzer beater three pointer. This was a this was a strikeout pitch. So I need to get I need to get a slap shot in there at some point and, and a like a, and like a touchdown. They've, they've all, all been plants too. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's I, true. They have all been plants. I will see if by the end you can fucking touch down that urn because okay. if you don't, I'll, I'm gonna feel like I've done you wrong. <laughs> at the very, the very end of the dungeon, I spike it and it just shatters. shatters. <laughs> I was just thinking that yeah. I'm already terrified. Yeah. Uh, well, I was the last one to go, and I did roll my d4, and I rolled a three for Dana. Oh, whoa! That's uh, it's been a while. So, well, been a while. <laughs> Sorry, it's been. <laughs> As I was saying, thank you, Michael. Let's have you introduce yourself and go around the table. Hey, my name is Michael Loving. I play Halifan Ripken Jr., the, um, yeah, Hal Ripken Jr. Yeah, yeah, that's a joke that people who like baseball will yeah. understand and people who don't are going to be completely lost so on. No so no one's going to understand it. Got it. You're an eye closer. <laughs> Cal, Cal Ripken Jr. is a famous baseball um, player. Gotcha. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he played for the Baltimore Jokes Orioles. Jokes are better when you explain them. He may have been a pitcher <laughs> even. I'm not positive on and that. And this is Angelo. <laughs> <laughs> My, I'm Angelo Kalug. I play Gaspar, the headless rogue of the Phantom subclass. And currently an urn carrier. Hmm. Yeah. 
And I'm Dana Ebert playing Penelope Farthing, the lovable fawn bardlock. I also know names of people. Mm. Oh. Mm. He was a shortstop. What a flex! That was that was the. I was like, he's either a pitcher or a shortstop. No a one shortstop. cares. <laughs> there will be at least one listener, probably Dave, yeah. who will know what position Cal played. And if I say that he was a pitcher and he wasn't, he'll be very upset. Thanks, I'm Dave. Certain. My name is Law. I play Iavos Isadora, witness to the withering acre and weirdly aggressive arcane caster in this fight and catapulter yeah. of grapes. Did like thirty bucks, thirty bucks to this thing. Thirty whole bucks. <laughs> And I am Zach Barkus, Dungeon Boy of the League of Ultimate Questing. I'm also a technical director for Slapdash Studios. I'd like to th- th- I'd like to thank Bree Golden for this very difficult to make, very complicated and beautiful map that she has made. It's so cool. Uh, you can find her at goldenstylus.com. I'd also like to thank Hedegar the Editor for editing this bad boy. And I also want to thank Max Hobbs, our guest DM. Yo, what up? Know, uh, go ahead and introduce yourself. My name is Max Hobbs. I am rasping as huge anus or uh, anus proponus of Mita. You can find me at the Help Action Podcast, fucking, I don't know, other podcast places, and uh, reach out to me at Dungeon Master Max pretty much anywhere. What's the website? Oh, help-action.com. There you go. That's the website. That's the one I should probably be saying every yeah. episode. I'm sorry, co-hosts. That's a, actually a dash, not spelling dash. Right. Yeah. Help right. the punctuation like, dash action dot yeah. com. We sound like a vague protest group. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Well, this is a great episode. I hope you find it very you amusing. You wouldn't. <laughs> you didn't. And Already done. Are you are you gonna, have. How long are you going to sit there and whine about it? Mm. <laughs> Speaking of websites, we also have one. It's theluq.com, where you can find links to our cast page, uh, our other episodes, all the fun stuff, merchandise. And uh, yeah, we're around. We're on Twitter. (laughs) We're on Twitch. There's lots of stuff going on. Speaking of Twitch, I've been hosting the LUQ live episode premieres on Twitch on Mondays at 7 p.m. Pacific time. That's slightly different than any other time zone. (laughs) (laughs) And... What am I missing? Anything else? That's it. You know it all. It's all in the mid-roll. Looking forward to uh, Rose City Comic Con, which is probably going to be around when this airs. This might be slightly late, but looking forward to that and the live show that we're going to have there. Well, until next time, we wish you luck. (laughs) 